Hello everyone and welcome to the second session of Hello Casa. My name is Michael and today I'm hosting David, who has been living here in Bogota for several years now. He is an entrepreneur and has great experience in starting businesses in Colombia. Um, before we start though, I would like to quickly introduce our Colombia Real Estate Guide. Um, for you who listen via the Hangouts, you can find the link to it on the right hand side. For those who tuned on via YouTube, you can find the one in uh, the description sec section, especially um, after, after the broadcast when it's uploaded on YouTube. So now let's start with the interview. David, welcome. Happy to have you as our first guest. Um, so to directly kick off, why don't you qu quickly introduce yourself? Hello, Michael. Thanks. Um, well, my name is David. I'm from Germany, uh, from Munich. Um, how I came to Colombia, that's the question. No, it wasn't a woman. I was studying. I, I, I was living before in Switzerland, and I have studied there in the University of Sangan Business Administration. And then I did an exchange semester here in Colombia. And this is where I realized that there are a lot of opportunities here. And I, I wanted to, to take on those uh, some of those opportunities. And basically then I was studying here during the exchange semester and I bought a electrobike. So then I had a problem. I was living here already four months and I had bought an electrobike and didn't know what to do with electrobike. And beside of that, I had a business idea. So I said, well, I don't know what to do with this electrobike. I don't know who to sell it for, to whom to sell it. And on the other side, well, just let's start the business. So this was kind of the two sides of the decision to stay in Colombia and to mount a business. So and that means the, the electrobike was like the, your girlfriend for others. So what's the reason to stay? <laughs> okay, got it. Exactly. Let's, let's put it, I always wanted to, to start a business and there were already ideas going around in, in Switzerland and we were having some project with some friends, but we never got to a stage where we actually started something. We were preparing, we were doing analysis and ideas and gathering information. We even signed a contract to to import a business concept into Switzerland from, from Germany, but it never get really, really concrete with this with this undertakings. So then I, I already came like loaded with with a, with with a willingness to found and then the motorbike was kind of a trigger. It was just a trigger he said, yeah, well, okay, there's a there's a practical reason not to go away. <laughs> so let's just start something. That's a good one. I think everyone needs uh, something like a hold, some something to uh, a certain reason, even if it's a sign of kind of an invention uh, to to uh, tell mom and dad back home. Okay, I, I'm sorry. I I just have to stay a little bit longer. Okay, got it. <laughs> exactly. So um, right now, what are you what are you uh, working on uh, right now? What are you dedicating yourself uh, to? What are your projects? And uh, so tell us a little bit about your entrepreneurial um, uh, uh, drives and also um, projects right now? Well, well, when I came here, I was studying um, like one year. I was studi studying the Valoro case in Switzerland. It was a merchant acquisition between a German food chain and a Swiss-based uh, Swiss 
uh, European distribution, um, logistics distribution chain. Let's put it like this. And they, they, they bought a business, which is the Bretzelkönig in Switzerland, and in Germany it's called Ditch. So it's all about pretzels. And I was kind of one year around analyzing pretzels, analyzing their strategy, and I was kind of loaded, my mind, my business mind loaded full of pretzels when I came here. And I saw, no, there are no pretzels here. And in Europe, pretzels are going crazy. So why something which is very a very good product, which is taking off very fast in Germany, which has caused a multi-million acquisition recently there, and which is really a very, very, very well-known product in the US, why Colombians don't know about? We're gonna need to change that. So I was I was starting with a with a pretzel business, and uh, we're experimenting how to get the recipe right, how to get the production right. In the first in the first place, I was working with some local uh, bakers. Um, subcontracting, and then they already came in the first experience. What what does it mean subcontracting in Colombia, and and so on. And then I I started to found my own uh, my own um, uh, fabric. Uh, how do you say the production site? And then I, then there came machines from Germany, special machines for making pretzels, and now we are expanding operations. Uh, then there came the distribution chain, and this all this take took took very long, especially the importations, then the adaptations to the to the site. Um, well, there are a lot of small details in the process of making pretzels, which which is not at all trivial. Trivial. So there was a lot of learning and 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 stuff. So in the meanwhile, then then I was kind of having contact with a with a friend. Because I needed a software solution for the business, and then, then he, he told me, no, I I'd like the I'd like persons who, who work at three in the morning and and still still are, uh, are caring for the business at that time of the day. Uh, why just don't start a company about uh, open source ERP systems? Or I, I I refer to enterprise resource planning. And then I said, yeah, yeah, you know, I have a business with pretzels, but yeah, okay, we can, we can do that and we can start something. And that's how I got into the software business. And, and then recently I, I finally met a girlfriend, a very beautiful Colombian woman. And then somehow I said, yeah, let's, I need to, I need to change her. I need to, to invite her to, to be an entrepreneur as well. Um, and then we were trying to find something, and then there come, came another idea. I'm not allowed to speak about it in the moment, but uh, there's a project going on with my girlfriend about it's about uh, fashion. So I thought uh, it's about marriage. Okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that 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 might be an option. Yeah, but in the moment, it's it's all about business. As I said, I'm, I I I wasn't coming here. For a girl, I was coming here for business, and I think it's a very beautiful country. It's very good to live here, and there are a lot of opportunities, which from an, from an, from a foreign perspective, they lay around on the floor like like it was a a bill of one hundred dollars, and you just need to take it, and you stumble over it, and you just need to take it, basically. Well, the real real uh, making something true, or, um, realizing the idea and putting it into working into into operation is something different. But the opportunities are there, and a lot, I think. 
Yeah, that sounds very interesting. Everything like in a summary, you can say you came from uh, you started with a motorbike, started your uh, Bretzels company, then uh, afterwards started uh, the Colombian SAP uh, company, and now you're gonna go for the next one. That's uh, sounds like a very interesting journey. Um, quickly uh, coming back to the Bretzels one, you uh, previously you mentioned quickly, okay, subcontracting was not a, such a such a great idea. Can you uh, can you dig a little bit deeper and, uh, concerning that and what happened there? Maybe some interesting experiences you can share with the community. Well, there are two points, and they are actually related. One one point where the majority of businesses might be subcontracting is transportation, and I'm I'm putting kind of a retrospective onto my experience because uh, transportation is something all of the big fabricating consumer goods companies here, or the majority, the big majority, they do, the ha do have their own distribution. They do have their own distribution, they do have their own fleet of, of, of trucks, etc. So this is an area where I was used to subcontract in Switzerland, where, where I said, no, I'm not into distribution, I'm into manufacturing, so let's just, let's just contract someone who gets the stuff out. And then I realized, no, here it's different. It doesn't work. For some reason, people don't trust the, the logistics partner. And then I saw why. And, that, and I saw why when I, when I subcontracted the, the Bretzels. And it was really a difficult situation to manage the, the quality, to get the product out, out at, at, in time. Uh, we were. I was subcontracting with a running bakery, but it was closed door. So supposedly it was able to produce B 2 B, but in the end it was nevertheless. When there was a, a scheduled production, then sometimes it got late. Sometimes the product wasn't 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 resulting in good quality. So the, it was very difficult to, to subcontract there. So that means uh, that well, it was the, the huge the huge challenge was to find uh, reliable three P, uh, three PLs like uh, logistic providers, and therefore you also would recommend or would maybe even suggest if there's another person or maybe watching and someone is watching that and says okay I would like to go for a physical product in Colombia, you would directly suggest him okay you have to. Um, expect to um, go with the entire value chain and not to uh, just uh, chuck it into uh, into or um, yeah, um, reduce it into chunks and just do one of those you really have to go with everything yeah exactly here here over here you need to be prepared to have a wholesome business as you said to cover the, the whole value chain because it might be extremely difficult especially for a small starting business to coordinate something like a value chain, which is perfectly valuable, uh, viable in Switzerland and Germany and many other countries. But over here, it's difficult. It might be an option if you're a big company and you have the negotiating power and also the penalizing power um, that you might be able to coordinate a value chain, but it still might be difficult. And especially if you're entrepreneurial, if you have entrepreneurial undertakings over here, I think, and that's also what most people recommend, and, and over here it's kind of it's kind of self-evident that you need to cover from the from the buying side to the distribution, the whole the whole chain of of manufacturing a physical product. 
Um, that's that's kind of the thing that that maybe when you come from another another country, then you think, yeah, well, I have the idea, and my role in the business might be orchestration, might be marketing, might be promoting the idea, might be the business knowledge, and then you realize, oh no, well, that doesn't work so well, and there is little chance we can have it work. So we just probably need. To mount it ourselves. Sure, got it, it will okay. take a long time, obviously, until you get going. If you have to have to set up a, a factory or something like that. Absolutely, I can imagine. And then you literally um, imported all the production facilities to from uh, from Europe to uh, to Colombia. How was that? What, what were the the biggest challenges there? Like, I I expect import taxes, a lot of. Um, Challenges concerning, um, yeah, maybe the the customs and and so on. So how was that? There's an interesting part about because you you first think, well, it's my my first real real founding activity, so I haven't have had an idea about all the preparatory stuff. I already had did it before, but when it came to action, then you 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 get into sourcing decisions. And you search up and down the country for local partners, and you search and search and search and search. And I, I think the market here is not so transparent as it is in other countries, where you just search in the yellow pages and then we'll throw out a, a bunch of companies who are who are specializing in one area. But here, probably, if you search the yellow pages, you might you might find one company, but in reality, there might be three. So it's difficult first to get to those companies, and then when you visit them, when you visit their production facility, then then you you, you wonder and you see, no, this that's not the quality I expect. I give you an example. In in bakery, you need you need a good oven, and the good oven cannot cannot produce cannot have the flame inside the burning chamber uh, because it it's got it's producing humidity, and the humidity might 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 uh, be might not be good for the baking process for some breads. I think for local bread that's not a problem. But and here are here fabric here here are manufacturing sites who produce ovens, but they probably have the burning inside the inside the cock inside the 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 heating chamber. they have the the, the gas burning flute inside the, the, the chamber where, where the bread is cooking, inside the cooking chamber. So this is, this is kind of an, I searched up and down the, the capital of Colombia and did not find one single producer of ovens who have indirect heating with a, with a heat exchange. So this is the point okay, where you sure. realize that you need to import a lot of stuff. And then and obviously for, for ovens you probably might go to Italy, for other stuff you might go to Germany. And then you get in contact with all those kind of things. So I would assume it's a good idea to think about importing machinery at, at, at every point. And there's not too much to expect from, from the Colombian ecosystem at that point. Now, um, it's still quite underdeveloped. You might get simple stuff and, and some stuff you might get help or you might be able to source locally. But I think, um, even for something which is a bread factory, you already need to import uh, a lot of the machinery you need. And uh, obviously, there you got you got into the thematics of, of importing. I don't know if someone is is listening and wants to import stuff. 
And here they they work with a harmonized tariff schedule, which is I think from the U.S. So this is the internationally accepted standard for for the numbers of of goods you import. And you have to be careful because if you import used machines, then there's a processor right for for companies for local companies that are importing or manufacturing those numbers, those HTS numbers as well. So for example, for one machine, I needed to call, call a company in Medellin and ask them to permission to be able to import this machine. But it's only true for used machines. Uh, new machines, you're, you're perfectly able to import without any permissions, as long as they don't need kind of special, special permissions from the ambient agency, environmental agency, pardon. Uh, like for example, if you you import refrigerators for the for the gas question here and the ozone question, and there are some products obviously like, like it's like in every country, so there's nothing nothing too special about it's it's quite of a bit of work the importing paperwork that's that's how much that's kind of how much? difficult, but it's, you can handle that, and you you will you will need to contract a local partner. For this paperwork, that's by law. You cannot do it yourself. So, uh, if you have any have anyone who can recommend you one agency here, I think you you will be set. Okay. Uh, to, get, to get an idea, how many? Um, I can listen myself right now. Can you turn on? Okay, perfect. That's better. No, I can listen myself. Can you maybe try to um, reduce your volume a little bit? Ah, uh, sorry. Okay. Um, to get an idea, how many days did it take you to to get like uh, those uh, those machines over to Colombia? And also maybe um, another idea. Um, on average, how many papers did you have to fill out? So to to have an idea about how. How extent, uh, extensive was was the entire paperwork and stuff? Well, from Europe, it's about twenty days in 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 the in the container in the in the in the in the ship, and then you enter you enter the the port, and there it's all about getting the the visit from the from the tax authority. From the customs uh, straight, so they have a system, and by chance they are your 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 send your 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 package might pop up, and they then go and visit it, and inspect it. So if you're first importer, it's almost always you will pop up in the system, and they will necessarily uh, in, investigate, inspect your 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 your, your freight. And you you therefore work work with a with an agency who's presenting all the paperwork. And it's quite a basic. It's the it's the invoice, the commercial invoice can be performer invoice, um, and then you need some documentation about the product, like a fact sheet. They always like pictures because um, sometimes they probably don't know what's about, but when they when they see the picture, they can relate it to the product. Uh, it needs to be in Spanish, um, the the invoice and the and the description as well, and you need to get all the papers straight. And there's a lot of work going 
going on and forth with uh, with agencies. So they will tell you, no, put put here a different word and put this like this and change that. And you probably might need to change up to five, six, or even more times your your commercial invoice because something is not as the Colombian authorities expect that. There's also a lot of half knowledge going on even even in the profession. So you might it might happen that you tell you talk to one agency and they tell you this and then you might to talk to another agency and they might tell you a different thing. And it's not unusual because over here a lot of things work in the personal context. So you might have some guidance or rules or procedures, but you are not if you, you you might even be able to read those procedures, but then there's still the interpretation of a natural person who is working with the ent entity who might give you the interpretation of those rules. And this is it, and it's the spoken word who counts. And sometimes it's then difficult to to argument as well. It's kind of a cultural thing. I think here, and that's why there's a lot of going on and forth with the paperwork because the person on the other end probably has a different interpretation or a slightly different opinion about the, the, the case. So she might request extra 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 information or, or something like that. Sure, sure, you, also sure. need, you also need kind of an um, uh, importer's license, which is not actually a license, but it's in your in your um, in your kind of official document where which is which is with the tax authority. There, where it's written your company name, etc. That you need to put kind of a, a, a information to the tax authority. They will give you a special number there, tick a checkbox, and then you're uh, you're allowed to import. That is something which is fairly known, and it might be that you talk to to your agency, and they even don't tell you because they sometimes people don't care that much about your problems as a client as well. So. Um, you might check beforehand that you have this this checkbox in your in your tax in your tax yes. paper. Which it is one question directly from uh, from Thomas. He's asking, "What's the name of a good agency?" Well, that I can't tell, but I have had a good experience with a logistics partner at Senato International, and I think it's. Recommendable because it actually it's a German Hamburg-based logistics um, logistics uh, operator, and they were called beforehand kind of South American, Colombian, German steam company. So they are around for a, quite a lot of time in those territories, and they have people here uh, which have kind of German work style. So basically, I think there you can have a good experience, and they. Um, they also might might give you a better kind of a better assessment of your case in any in any way. Okay, perfect. Um, I have another question now coming to the uh, to the open source ERP system. Uh, then you went on to the to the next to the next one. Um, tell us a little bit about uh, that one and um, your experiences and. Get, go a little bit deeper concerning uh, what it is about and what is your also so, your solution and um, uh, give us a little bit about an idea of what it is. Thanks. 
Uh, well, it, it, as I told you, it kind of grew organically with a friend, and he asked me if he that he wanted to start a company, and he he considered that I'm the right person to go for it. So we were um, because I had the problem here with my business, how to account for the myriad of Colombian tax specialties, special legislation. Here's a concept. I, it took me three months to really get behind the concept of withholding, tax withholdings. And this is something for a foreign person, it's kind of what I'm I'm a I'm a business owner, I'm responsible of tax um, of tax charging, which is a genuine responsibility of the state, of the tax authorities. So they make me responsible for collecting taxes from other persons who might be less formalized than me. And that's kind of the concept where you think, well, I'm not an authority, I'm just a private business, but here concepts might function a bit difficult. And it's true that you get, as a, as a legalized business, you, get, you, get, you are in charge of collecting taxes on behalf of the state. It kind of takes some time to understand really what that means and how that can be, but uh, it has it, it roots in the in the in the problems that Colombia has with tax collecting. So they invented this kind of stuff, and actually it's quite common in South America this kind of figure. So I, I figured that out, and I figured out how complicated it is, and how much how much administrative overhead it is. And it was clear I need a solution, and I need a I need a I need a ERP solution for that, and it's not possible to make that in Excel, nor in nor in any other paperwork. I it's just not possible. It's so much and so much right from the beginning that you need some kind of optimized solution. And I I searched around, and I already had kind of this open source uh, solution in mind because it always grows with you with your business. If you have a special need, you just contact someone. And it's rather affordable because it's uh, the the programming work is it's 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 expensive as we know programmers are expensive but it's commodity on the other hand because it's not a special software special tool but it's plain plain Python language which is, which is a quite common computer language a programming language so I was already going in this direction and trying to adopt this for my business and then I saw all these problems with with uh, with uh, the tax authority legislation and, and and rules and proceedings, and then we put ourselves into the into the work of of investigating and trying to optimize, because we perceived also, and I perceived when I was working with people that a lot of people just can't comply with all those things, and I think a majority of small businesses just work out of compliance and they just work and they work because tax authorities don't have the means to control every every business duly so there's a lot of a lot of like of uh, half legal um, proceedings going on in small businesses but that's not the idea because you always have like the bad feeling yeah I'm doing things right I'm doing a best effort basis but we all know you can probably you're probably not feeling good dealing with tax authority on a best effort basis. But that's kind of the rea reality in Colombia, and we realized that, and we saw this open source software, and we saw, yeah, there might be, a, and there might be an opportunity to have small businesses start really off the ground, but already with all legislation covered. But we would need a whole different level of automation in order to achieve that. 
a whole different level of configuration because if you go here to a, a local software vendor, vendor, they might tell you, yeah, I can t I can sell you the solution, which is basically basically the some program, and then but then they it, they don't even charge a lot. But then uh, when it comes to yeah, uh, how do I need to configure that? Then you're basically left alone again, and you you probably need an accountant and. And things go complicated because accountants here have the, they are very inclined to take over your, the control of your company. Because they're used to Colombians, they don't want to get in, many of, of small business owners. Not, I'm not talking about Colombians probably because that would be false. Um, but a lot of small business owners, they just don't worry about what's going on on the financial side, on the, on the numbers, and they give that to the accountant and they know. Tax legislation is so difficult, there will no chance they will, will understand that in one year. So I cannot, I cannot dive into it. And that's the point where the accountant gets a lot of control of your business because he's kind of the, the, the angel in white who tells you what is good for you and what is not good for you. And they go even further and they, go, they, they tell you, if you don't do that, the, the tax authority will come and, 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 and fine you. Which is not true in any case. I I think um, tax authority. Well, it's good they have have a bad image and they have a strong image, but in the end they don't. They probably don't investigate on you if you're just starting off a business. So if there's the accountant telling you, yeah, if you do this and you don't this and you do this, that you need to do this in order to not get into jail, and you're frightened. But on the other hand, in reality, the reality is quite different. So that's where the accountant takes a lot of a lot of a lot of control of the company, and that goes up into medium and large companies where the accountants have a very big role. And we said, no, that's not the way how business should operate, and that's not the way how Colombian businesses can innovate. Because what they need is that the CEO has the numbers clear, has the costs clear, has the structure, the financial structure of his company clear in order to take informed business decisions. So there's where we said, yeah, let's take let's take this open source software, let's Let's take some part of the function of, a, of an accountant and just write it into code into this software. And by that, we would need we would we would we would spare on the account for a lot of businesses and help them having better and more compliant operations. This is kind of an offering, which is obviously to a foreign people foreign person because they say here's a problem, we need a solution. But if you go to the Colombian market in software businesses, you won't find that kind of solution because here kind of the mentality is different. It's not probably they don't spot it as the problem correctly or just people are so used to the problem that accountant takes over the business that they just yeah. accept it. I don't know where is the problem, but it's a problem and there has to be a solution. And That's, actually in those days we are going live with the private better and it seems that our prospective clients are quite impressed by what we are proposing to the market. So I'm confident that we, when we, that we hit a point here. That's very interesting because, um, I mean, first of all, it's, uh, you might also have seen the, the figures that a lot of um, companies who, let's say, successfully or, or successful them, for them, themselves and unsuccessfully for the entire society avoid to pay taxes and uh, this also obviously, or let's say, apparently goes back to the situation of the of the entire process and of the difficulty. Um, I think it's obvious that the state should rather incentivize 
the companies to pay taxes rather than uh, try to make it as difficult as possible so that they might have then later on an opportunity to find them or to to uh, to sue them. It's a little bit uh, interesting. This also goes to to one point which I would like to uh, to ask your opinion about about the entire state firm relationship. So. Um, how do you see that? Do you have an opinion about it? That's a very interesting point. And, and you, you talked about the individual level. I'm, I'm complaining as an entrepreneur. I think every, every entrepreneur is complaining around the world about, about authorities and about uh, proceedings, administrative proceedings. While the, in, the individual is really not what's mattering in, in, in the big picture. We can complain, but what, what are we? No. So there's a very interesting, if you want to get a bigger picture, there's actually a very interesting turn point in the last years where there is planned, there has been executed, is planned and is ongoing execution of a series of um, tax reforms. And they go basically in a very good direction. It's interesting, it's the first time, to my knowledge in history, where Colombia has legally in, put into operation a commission for, for, for competitiveness and economic equality, which is analyzing the whole system, the whole financial relationship between state and private, private agents, whether be it firms or be it individuals. And they are analyzing the whole product because um, there's a well, I think Colombia has very straight finances and, and solid financing and they have the tax rule that they can't break. And it's, it's even it's even from a German perspective, it's even you say, wow, they're doing a good job and they actually respect it. So they don't go too far into into debt, into public debt, etc. So they are the finances, the public finances are, are quite organized. But why is there no public uh, serious education. How how is it possible that, that they can finance it? On the other hand, you have Colombia uh, listing among the countries with the highest tax rates for firms. And there is where I can where I can recommend to every reader who is who is who is capable of the Spanish language to have a look at the report. I I will say in Spanish it's. La Comisión para la Competitividad y Egalidad Económica, and they do a report quarterly about the current tax and tax collecting situation. And when you read it, you read, well, it's true that on the one hand we have the highest taxes, or are among the highest taxes in the peer group. We even about farther high taxes in the world, a comparison on the OCD. But on the other hand, we have kind of the lowest collecting rate, so the reality is something in between the nominal numbers, and and that's what's actually going on. And then you see, yeah, it's true, but that uh, that firms pay a lot of taxes. But on the other hand, you have 24,000 24, legalized firms, and on the other hand, you have seventy-five thousand um, tax benefit trusts. And then it's kind of competing against a legally legal legal firm, which is paying taxes. Normally, competing against a trust, which is completely tax tax exempt in same in the same activity, like selling shoes, for example, or making burgers. There have been have been a big case where a university foundation have set up a burger restaurant, and that's obviously it was among it was below the tax 
Texas a tax exempt umbrella, but there is where the state intervened um, because it was a great scandal. But that's kind of what's happening in reality. So um, there is a good discussion going on to make taxation more equilibrium between individuals. I can give uh, an example for Germany. It, it would be your tax exempt here as an individual, like if you would earn in Germany around $40,000 a year, I think the actual tax exemption in Germany is around eight or 15,000, I'm not sure, it depends if you're married or not. But I think it's around, let's say it's around $10,000 and from $10,000 you pay taxes, even though there's a small amount, but you're a taxpayer. And here in Colombia, it's kind of like if you would, wouldn't pay taxes up to $40,000 year income. Yeah. That, that results only 5% of the natural persons in Colombia are taxpayers. And there's where, they, where the, this, this equilibrium comes from that they charge a lot of on, 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 on firms, well firms know how to get around it and they don't charge that much on natural persons. So from the exterior it might look like it's a very high tax country and it's not worth put, put, in, put uh, uh, investment into this country. Well, you, you need to know that the relative, reality might be something in between if you have a good lawyer and you, you also might know that situation is changing and uh, the, the, the governing body and the, the, the legislation body is aware of this problem and they're doing something about that. Ah, that's, uh, those are very good points. Uh, you were previously also mentioning the OECD um, and actually they, they also launched a very interesting report in 2000. 15 was it and they more or less said the same like increase progressive tech will implement start to increase uh, to implement the progressive tax rate and also I'm for me it's like obvious for me I always say the same from my point of view reduce the VAT reduce it a corporate tax rate try to to um, to trigger and uh, to um, to incentivize new business creation and then tax the ones who, who, who earn a lot of money and also reduce the tax rate on, on your assets, which is not, because what happens a lot of times is people here earn a lot of money, but then again, they invest or they, then they buy the houses in the USA and it's just going absolutely, um, well, aside, of, uh, aside from, the, from the entire tax, uh, tax revenue for the entire society. And then obviously taking the, taking the taxes and um, um, invest in education, infrastructure and safety. Those are basic things, and uh, and then also um, coming to the next point, um, the Colombian uh, GDP and also exports. I would like to know what your uh, your point on that, how you see it. First of all, from my point of view, the idea would be then obviously now to leverage the, the current uh, situation with the oil and not use it right now as a certain direct revenue stream, but just use it as a stream for current investments as we see for example as we have seen for example in dubai which just has been using the oil in order to generate new revenue streams or increase it or in, invest it in education and infrastructure and safety and then you're going to be uh, positioned much better for the next 10 20 years uh, how do you see the um the um the gdp let's say portfolio um entire um, consistency or uh, alignment of of um, of uh, 
certain commodities to the to the entire uh, society and also how do you see the exports how do you see also that with respect to the to the current uh, peso devaluation well that's a, that's a very interesting point I, I'm not too much into all the details here but I can give an overall opinion um, well, this, uh, this, this opportunity to use uh, crude revenue for something useful and good has already, be, has already elapsed. So this is not what has happened during the recent oil boom here in Colombia, that they would, uh, they would invest uh, this revenue into, into some sustainable investment. The reality is it has been consumed by the by the by the um, uh, the valuation of the Colombian peso the import has risen a lot and basically you can say all that has been earned with oil sales has been spent on consume uh, importing uh, imported consume uh, consumption so basically, uh, with the current situation, this this equilibrium state of the past past doesn't hold true anymore. Um, well, it was a problem. This those years of consumption of of overly consumption financed by by oil exports has damaged a little bit the local ecosystem of manufacturing industries and that kind of industries. So right now there is um, like of a national plan or even a national yeah basically everyone in the in the industry knows there is an opportunity to rise local businesses to professionalize the outcomes of local manufacturing of local production and there is also a great market need if you go for example to um, to a small or medium retailer here and who's, who is selling good quality and then you speak to them and ask them well where do you get your products from they say from mexico why from mexico you're selling let's say plastics yeah we imported from mexico we have looked into the colombian market but we didn't find any any reliable um producers so we went on to mexico so there's a great opportunity i think also for for the local um, businesses right now uh, from the demand side that they get, cannot import that much and they need to substitute a lot of goods which they have imported so far and I think if there's more people around which can keep up with quality and which can raise the standards of the local ecosystem there's a there's a gold mine here and on the other side the fruit exports we are always talking about Colombia has the among the highest transportation costs in the world and if they produce fruit in the country, in the interior, it's just not competitive on the global market because of transportation costs to get it to, get it to the coast. Um, so I think also here we might see a positive effect on, on, on tropical fruits and um, flowers. I think also in the fashion industry, uh, Colombia is producing kind of 5% of the worldwide cotton um consumption as i have read recently i don't know the numbers don't 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 fix me on the numbers i'm just giving an impression here but i think those are the, the fields which in terms of exports are interesting and also in 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 the exterior which are interesting for importing i think 
They are, well, the coffee is well known from Colombia, but there are an increasing number of small um, coffee roasteries which are trying to expand directly, bypassing the big, um, the big distributors to the foreign market. So I think, uh, for example, if someone is listening here from Europe or the US and wants to set up a coffee distribution and wants to jump over a lot of hops here in the distribution chain, there are a bunch of local coffee roasteries who seek kind of the counterparty in, in other countries to jump over the distribution chain here and cut costs. And also can guarantee a better quality because there's a lot more direct relationship between seller and buyer, buying side in, in that way. And I think that's true for a lot of, for a lot of agricultural goods like coffee, like um, uh, tropical fruits, um, probably even meat. Meanwhile, they are, they are still imported from Argentina, but here there's a lot of meat industry as well. They're in the Great Plains of Colombia, if you call it like, can call them like that. That's the, the so-called Llanos, where there's a lot of um, uh, meat production. Well, there, there's, there's surely some topics one can investigate and seek after how is the agriculture production of Colombia to, to see what's going on. But also in the in the in the in the, in the clothing fa uh, manufacturing, um, fashion design, uh, there are there are some some branches of industry which might be interesting as well from that perspective. Great. That um, so in fact, you mentioned now a lot of uh, very interesting uh, points concerning. Um, starting your business um, just to resume a little bit like you you mentioned the difficulties of partnerships for example accounting problems uh, also the lack of providers uh, difficulties uh, or high costs of uh, infrastructure and then on the other hand you say there are a lot of potential gold mines because there's so many opportunities there's like a lot of people who just don't do it because it's just not working and um, also sensing a little bit, feeling a little bit uh, that you're communicating, okay, if you are able or willing to invest a little bit more and to, to expect a, little, a lot of problems, you can then later on have a lot of, uh, or have a higher return on your investment. So frankly speaking, in conclusion, would you, like, again, uh, think about the, uh, the viewers uh, on uh, a different continent, would you recommend to, to set up your business in, in Colombia? And uh, maybe then also there was another question from uh, Catalina who said, in which um, vertical, in which business, um, uh, or in, yeah, in which vertical, which service, and which uh, market would you uh, start your business if you could also uh, start from scratch? Well, first, first question from Kata. Kata. Uh, I would, I would go into manufacturing, um, and and probably how you call that, and uh, engineering, because I perceive that this is kind of where the whole ecosystem can be uplifted by orders of mag magnitude. Um, there are some some firms and companies who are doing quite a good job, but the overall average in the in the in the in engineering industry is quite a bad standard. And this is kind of the stuff which is needed for economic progress locally, as long as you don't just can import 
very expensive machines from other countries, aggregate, aggregating customs, aggregating the VAT, and uh, then do, having, having the need to amortize those investments, which lets a lot lower market where you just can, can sell at the same price tag as in other countries. So this is kind of difficulty. And I think um, if you want to put yourself into, and you get your hands dirty in engineering here in Colombia, there are a lot of opportunities. Um, I think also close to engineering is the tech industry, the, the, the IT industry. And while there's a one, one kind of very representative observation I did recently is that SAP is hiring a lot of, a lot of uh, experts for, for the Colombian operations. So SAP is seeing an expansion in digitalization of businesses, businesses and that's basically also my point of view, that a lot of businesses are passing over from the last generation to the young generation, and the young generation has um, far better education levels and has ambition and has ambition to put forward the business and their country. So I think there's there's also opportunities in the IT business in every in every aspect in operations, uh, controlling, etc. And there's another point which which is interesting because you see a lot of failing transition for businesses a lot. Uh, the business structure is very sprinkled, so there are very, 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 very high number of very small businesses, and basically in most of the of the of those businesses, the transition from one generation to the other doesn't work quite well. Banks are starting to get into those businesses to the, to secure the future the future business with those companies, and that's like another country that banks are kind of taking that role. But I think there's also there's also a, quite a big field for for um, private equity or kind of consulting businesses and business transition, business restructuring. Because we are not now at the point when the when the when the when the kids are taking over, they have new ideas. They probably need financing or they need consulting or even they they're the old ones. They see yeah I'm not up to date with the world, so let's let's take some consulting in. That's also a very interesting area, I think, to my respect. Can you repeat the other question? I, or can you repeat? Uh, yeah, sure. What, 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 um, the, the question was, Frank, uh, was literally, literally um, what do you recommend to start your business in Colombia? Um, yeah, it's definitely. I think uh, it, 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 it's probably not that country specific, but I, I feel there's kind of the foreign direct investment in developing countries, but there's also the foreign direct entrepreneurship. And if you're entrepreneurial, kind of, if you have <laughs> entrepreneurial teams or ambitions, and you go to a developing country, you will, your eyes will just spot in around every corner any opportunity. And in this moment, I think Colombia and South America as a whole, Colombia is a, has kind of a hub situation. It has a lot of ancestral say business links, very old business links from more of a hundred years ago with, with Germany especially. Like if you look at a lot of the big Colombian companies are founded by or co-founded by Germans. So there's already a, a, an ancestry and history about, about this kind of direct foreign entrepreneurship. If you look at Avianca, for example, the Colombian, the Colombian um, flight carrier, how you say, per passenger 
flights uh, airline, yeah, passenger airline. They were co-founded by Germans. If you look at Bavaria, which has 99% of the beer market, it was founded by a, a German. So I think uh, like 100 years ago today, still there are a lot of opportunities in developing market. And in South America, it's especially interesting and undervalued in Europe and, and the US, I think, because it's culturally quite similar. Obviously, we hear all those bad stuff and things going on and among the most dangerous places in the world. But if you live here, people are friendly and people are quite respectful. They have a problem in public administration, that's no question. They are, they are working in that, they are about to solve those problems. And um, within South America, Colombia is quite business friendly. Uh, here the mentality is people are working hard. In Bogota, people stay, uh, wake up at five in the morning and they start working at seven, uh, at six. And that's a quite a common case. Um, the question is whether they are very efficient, highly skilled, that's another question. Probably that's not the case like in countries like Germany, etc. But they are hardworking people here. They're willing, willing to get the, the country to, to move, move on with the country and to, to, to build a better future for the children. So this is perfect situation where you can come in, get, bring new ideas, bring fresh capital and, and kind of organize a, a, a viable business dynamic. Whether be it in technology or in consulting or in engineering or in production, whatever. But there's still a lot, a lot to explore and I definitely would, would recommend Colombia as it has kind of the hub situation and it probably is one among the most stable countries uh, right now in South America. And I can recommend very, very intensely South America. I think it's undervalued. Um, everyone's, can, uh, looking China, everyone's looking to the Far East and there's all, or there are already signs of, of probably there's more not such a good decision. Uh, many firms are moving back to, to Eastern Europe for fabrication sites, manufacturing sites. And I think a lot of business should expand their the point of view to a 300 something million market in South America and also to very highly skilled labor. And there's the other point, there's, those are Christian countries. So basically the basic, I say the basic cultural lines, uh, the basic cultural guidelines are quite similar between, between Europe, the US and the United States. If you say if you say Europe as a whole, well, there's the Northern Europeans and the thousand Southern Europeans, but in the end, there's kind of a European culture, and you will have many reflectings of that here in South America, and you will recognize a lot of customs, etc. So this is something to work with on the long run, I think, and um, it's on the safe side of the of the Atlantic, uh, if if you want to say so. There's no, no hostile countries or problematic zones in between. So it's kind of, a, I think it's kind of a natural ally. And, and I think uh, also that is kind of what is expressed by the free trade um, treaties which have been signed with the US and uh, Europe recently and which are coming into, into action during the, uh, dec uh, the next decade. So, uh, customs will go down and will be zero for most of most products in in ten years. So this is where I hope that business will intensify in in will will be more intensive in the future. And I hope we can kind of form a bridge here and uh, help everyone who wants to start a business here in Colombia and 
give our advice and share our experience. And uh, it's good to know that there are all these skilled people here thinking about uh, what's going on. And uh, obviously, um, I think we can be very open to, to any kind of inquiries or whatever. And happy to help because not because of, of economic interest, because not, not only because of economic interest, but also because we think it's a good opportunity and uh, we have a great experience here. And uh, if you have a great experience, it's always a pleasure to share that with other people. Great. That's, uh, that's a very, uh, very great point. And all the points actually you just mentioned, I, I just can agree. I mean, uh, uh, starting with the, with the location, with, with the geography, um, so what's the uh, or, uh, next point would be the, the, the landscape, the, the um, entire fruit and vegetables, uh, fruits and vegetables, the entire resources, then the people who are absolutely um, amazing um, working-wise concerning the attitude. Um, I, I, I always remember when I had to get up at 4.30 um, to, get a, to, to start uh, working at, at 7 in the, in the, in the morning uh, in another part in, in uh, Bogota, and I, I realized that I wasn't the only one at all and uh, people are hustling and uh, people are working very, very hard and uh, you can see that and people really want to want to get uh, uh, want to put themselves to the next level that's absolutely true and i, I really can uh, can um, can refer to that and also considering the safety i don't feel myself i don't feel um i don't know, like exposed to danger at all i just uh, behave the same way as 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 i behave in germany or somewhere else um, those are all elements I de definitely can uh, can uh, can relate to. Um, one, you also just mentioned. I mean, you you uh, mentioned yourself also as uh, previously referring to the first points. I see yourself definitely as like a potential advisor for, uh, concerning accounting and also uh, importing. I think people definitely. Uh, who, who might be interested uh, in, in those elements, I think might be keen to contact you. Um, before we, we, uh, we, um, we st um, stop with the, or we, we finish with the, with the interview, um, where can people contact you, on which way, if they're interested and if they would like to, to uh, ask for your help? Well, I think the best, I, I don't know if I put my email here, um, if it will be published, but I think that's the best thing I can do. I put my email here in the chat. It's dar at defco.co, dar at devco.co. Okay, perfect. We got that. Okay, and that's. Uh, I can also. My name's David. Just reach out, and uh, anything I can help you, I'm very happy to trust it. Perfect. Otherwise, uh, you can also, everyone can also contact us via contact at uh, halocasa.com and then we can forward that to, to David. Um, David, uh, the, the last two questions before we're running out of time. First one is, uh, what do you like, in fact, uh, the most and what do you like, or what do you like the most about Colombia and what do you like the least? Those are the two finalizing questions we like to ask our, our uh, interview guests. Well, I'm a business person, and I recently went uh, went um, climbing with a friend, and then we were surfing a little bit, and then I realized how much I have grown a business person in the recent years. So I'm completely I'm completely 
going away from my, my ancient hobbies, which is surfing and sailing, etc. And uh, well, so my, my statement is kind of also business related. So the most I like here is that you have a knowledge advantage. So you have basically you, can, you might come from a country with very good education. You might have, have a very, very broad horizon. So if you come here, you have a big advantage because you see things that other, other people don't see. You analyze things that other people don't even question. You're, you are trying to solve problems that for other persons don't even have ever popped up as a problem. And this is a great thing for, for spotting opportunities, but also for dealing with people. And obviously, you need to, you need to adapt. You need to be kind, etc. because if you, if you come, come, come about arrogant, then there's no chance that you can work together with anyone. But there is this kind of knowledge advantage which you can play on. And on the other side, that's the biggest disadvantage, but because it's very difficult to find people who, are, who might be on the same horizon. And this is where you think, well, probably the best thing would be take some five, six friends which are also entrepreneurial, uh, set up a project and move them all here to Bogota or to Colombia. Medellin is also a very nice city and set up a business jointly. So you have kind of this, this sparring partners and challenging and, and, and bodies which you can rely on and which have kind of the, the same horizon. So on the one hand, it's an advantage over, over the local over the local average. And on the other side, it's the biggest disadvantage because it's very hard to find kind of the sparring partner you you enjoy and you 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 laugh in other countries and you and you you see how business flourish in other countries because of this kind of dynamics they can create and this is something very very connected to education and to general um, uh, formation levels of of the population so this is kind of the it's, it's, it's a point which is very interesting, and it's a very, very good point on the one hand, and it's a bad point on the other hand. And I, I would I, mention that. I, I think it's, it's normal. I think if you are an entrepreneur, I think entrepreneurs are all a little bit crazy, and I think uh, it's always good for, for an entrepreneur to have uh, people alike and uh, some uh, to talk about new business ideas and stuff. And obviously, the entrepreneur scene is not as, as huge as in, uh, let's say, Berlin or, or Silicon Valley. So it's definitely harder to to uh, to um, to relate to to people with with your with all your let's say extra uh, um, well ex not I would say maybe extraordinary or uh, definitely a very very um, aggressive ideas which which I really like and I think uh, which also made you to the person and brought you to the to the position where you're at right now so. Uh, I can definitely understand that. Um, well, David, I, I thank you so much. I think it was a very, very nice interview. It was very interesting. Uh, um, once again, uh, to all the people who are watching and who have been watching, uh, feel free to contact him. It's dar at devco.co, or you can also simply write us, and we will forward that uh, to, um, you can write us to contact at halocaso.com whatever you like. Um, well, thank you so much, David. Um, and um, well, thanks to everyone who has been lis listening and we will tune on to the next session, um, hopefully soon. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Thank you, Michael, and goodbye.
Thanks a lot, David. Thank you. Bye-bye.